Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm very, very excited that I'm here today with Anastasia Casey from the Identity Collective. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I don't know if the listeners know this, but you have worked or and are continuing to do work with Lindsay Brooke. Yes. Which, which is really Lindsay Borchard, but Lindsay Brooke Design. Right, I never actually asked her that. It's probably like a maiden name thing. I'm not entirely sure. But. I think it's her middle name, but oh, yeah. Okay, got it. Um, and I had a podcast interview with her, which was, yes, it was so good. Oh my God. So we're doing it again. We're doing part two, but that's the highest listened to podcast episode I've had to date. She's so, incredible. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome and I love her. But today we're talking to you and... Um, in a nutshell, I know that you do brand work and you do uh, web design and Instagram management for designers exclusively, interior designers, right? Yes, that is exactly correct. We've been super fortunate to be able to like super niche down our target. And so we're really just working with interior designers and it makes my life infinitely happier. <laughs> oh my God. So can you share, first of all, I feel like you've shared your own home and your own home looks amazing. So Obviously, you wanted to work with designers because you already have a passion for interior design on your own? Yes. Well, part of it is absolutely like in a secret life. I wish I could be an interior designer, but I also don't think you guys get enough credit for like all of the technical aspects of your job. People think that it's just like picking out pretty fabrics, but it's actually a very challenging difficult job that I just am not up for. So I have, I don't know if I am either. (laughs) (laughs) So I have, um, a passion for it and I love it. And grew up in a house where mom's a designer. Um, so it was like an easy hybrid, but then the other parts a super selfish way and working with interior designers means you guys always have professional photos and you guys always have new work coming out. (laughs) So it makes my job really easy. (laughs) So smart. So how long have you been in business? So I launched IDCO, um, I guess we're coming up on three years now in September. That's it. <laughs> Talk about feel like oh my god, that's crazy! And when did you niche to designers? I um one year ago, almost to the day, was like when it was like okay, we're not taking on anybody else. We are just going to hyper focus on this. And I feel like it was at the perfect time because I was feeling the burnout and just like pulled in so many directions from different types of clients and wasn't able to. S- serve my clients all as wholeheartedly because it was kind of like having to recreate the wheel every single project. And now once we, I went on this amazing retreat with a brand stylist in Mallorca, Spain. And she was like, you've got to hyper-focus. Like, who is it? Who's your dream client? And stop pretending that it's all of these other businesses. And as soon as I did, my message became so much more clear. My content became so much more clear. I just enjoyed it more. And I was able to start being a better designer because I wasn't having to relearn all of these different industries every time I took up another client in some other field. 
That's so good. So out of curiosity, first of all, I think that this is relevant for uh, like designers as well. Yeah, and I absolutely. think it's scary to do. So had you, did you have like a, one of your clients before you decided that's it, I'm only working with interior designers. Had you had a client that, or more than one that were interior designers that kind of helped you make that decision? Yeah. So I had worked with Brett at Decorotation, who's still an Instagram client, but we did her branding and website um, almost two years ago now when we first did that. And then I also had worked with Banner Day SF, who's an amazing, hugely acclaimed designer um, out of San Francisco. And then also with Scout Modern out of Los Angeles. And I think it was, I was wrapping up Scout Modern when I was on this retreat And I was like, this all just fell together. I was like, I love this work we created. And that's when I was like, this is where my soul wants to spend its time. Um, So I definitely had had that experience, but I'd done everything from like wedding industry folks to, you know, it was all in that kind of creative lifestyle field, but it's amazing how many different markets there are even within that field. Yeah, I bet. And um, okay. So I'm, I'm happy to say. So first of all, to those listening, we obviously already know that she's uh, done work for Lindsay Brook Design. Um, but for us fellow Canadians, because I'm in Toronto, what, what? Um, Lemon Tree and Co. Oh. And another one of our long-term clients, Ashley Montgomery Design. Uh, that's like, what I was going to say. I know. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, she has two projects that you guys haven't gotten to see, but we do because we do her Instagram. (laughs) You guys are going to flip. I mean, her stuff that she's putting out right now is insane. Like, shut the front door. So good. So good. I'm so excited to see that. And also, by the way, Lexi Westergaard, who is a new design crush that I have. Yeah, I'm trying to get her on my podcast. So you should be like, maybe she'll see that you did my podcast because she did oh, reply to I'll me. Hook it up. Nice. Um, <laughs> I'll text her right now and be like, yeah. Lexi, you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what it is? It's like, I think people are like, who is this person? What is this podcast? Like, a lot of the times I reach out to people who maybe, um, they're in Facebook groups that I'm in. And I feel like that's just by default, you see each other's name, people might see my name commenting. So they're not like, and I feel like it's a very sharing and open. You're already in that like sharing mentality in those groups. Yeah. When I like just randomly message someone, I feel like it's a bit of a tougher sell. So, yeah. you know, but, um, get you yeah. in with Lexi, don't worry. <laughs> okay. I love you right now, but she's a hardcore and I had shared that somewhere else, but she's a big design crush I have right now. She's amazing. Um, Okay. So I did notice, I wanted to talk to you about one more thing before we get into more of like, you know, talking about websites slash Instagram. Um, I noticed that if I click on your services page or not services page, uh, inquire page, it says that you're not accepting clients at this time. Um, and that if you want to be put on a wait list, like how does that feel? Um, so we're in an exciting transition time. We just last month launched templates for the first time. So we have two limited release. There's only there. They will only ever be sold 10 times because we want to make sure that our designers still get that kind of like bespoke IDCO feel, but we're also trying to be realistic and, you know, someday I would like to slow the business down. So maybe we can think about having a family and like, we're trying to position things for that. Um, and we also wanted to be more attainable to designers who are in their first, second, third year of business who, you know, don't have 
a six figure budget to spend on a website. And so this has been like a really happy medium. So we're transitioning over to that. And so I went ahead and put a pause on new clients. We're currently booked out through October. And I was like, you know what, let's just hold here because as a lot of designers know, um, when a lot of your week is spent onboarding new clients as you're getting inquiries, just constantly responding to new inquiries that you don't even have the time to to take on right now. And I was like, for us to be able to make this transition, I need to stop spending time on that. I'd love to chat with everybody when we're available to book them. But if I'm telling them I can't work with them for six months anyway, why don't we just go ahead and pause the inquiries? You know what else I think is really smart about that is that um, like sometimes if we start saying, oh, I'm going to schedule you to October, uh, you can't be as picky. So this actually... and right. But you're at a point in your business where you can really pick the one, the, the projects or designers that really speak to you most. And by putting them on a wait list, it gives you that ability, which I think is amazing. Yeah, because like, absolutely. I think we're all like, I know I'd love to be in a place where I could pick and choose the projects that most light me up. And I'm excited for the day that that happens. Right. That's how I'm going to use my words in a positive way. But um, I think that's amazing and really, really smart. And it's so true about the lead intake. I think also it just, I mean, there's something to be said for someone who is in such demand that, you know, you have to be put on a wait list. It's like, I think as an interior designer, that that's like a really clever marketing tactic too, where, you know, you know, you're doing two full renos projects. You're like, we don't have the capacity to start this quite yet. Let's go ahead and pause inquiries. And then maybe by the time you're ready to open that up, you have six decent leads to go through and you can pick what that next project is. So just like you said, you can be a little more choosy while also looking a little more desirable at the same time. Yeah, that's totally win-win. I really like that. And when I, I'm going to, I'm going to probably implement that not now because I'm having a slower year, but um, <laughs> like, I like that idea and philosophy of like, instead of just booking people three months out or six months out, get them on a wait list. I love it. I love it. That, I think that's really valuable, a really valuable tip for designers who are in a place where if you're scheduling three plus months out, get them on a wait list so that you can pick and choose those projects um, from the bunch that come in. That's awesome. Okay. Before we get into some like more tactical uh, I, like stuff, I just have a bit more, um, a few more questions about how you built your business because yeah. again, I think it's a similar business. Um, you know, you're doing graphic design work, web design work. It's so you make the decision to work with designers only. Like, is it just, it just become a word of mouth thing? Cause just for, again, the listeners, you're at 32.5, um, thousand followers on Instagram, which is incredible because I also scroll through. You do not have that many posts. Like this is amazing to me. So how did you grow your Instagram and how did you start to build a name for yourself? What were your kind of strategies for doing that early on? So the first thing I always tell everyone is you need to think about where your ideal client is hanging out online. And so for me, it was very clear that I was not going to treat our Instagram as a portfolio of our of our graphic design work because that's not something that interior designers are interested in looking at unless they're absolutely like in the market right that moment. And Instagram is a long-term game. So you are setting up relationships for someone to potentially inquire with you 
I mean, one to even two years down the road. And so because neither of our industries are click to add to cart type of business, you need to be thinking about where those people are hanging out. So for us, that meant that we were going to start creating content exclusively for interior designers. So if you guys check out our blog, we have things like how to get your work published. Um, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're talking about our specific editorial calendar that we use for Instagram posts for our existing clients. And we're spelling out exactly what we post, which days. And I mean, we have all kinds of resources, including interviews yeah. and everything. So we never spend time, energy, or resources putting out how to's on what it is we do. So like, we don't have anything on our blog about like how to build a website or like how to run your graphic design business because I, not that I don't want to be helpful to those people. It just, that will never make us money because they'll never hire us. So how we can transition that to the interior design client world is you have to be careful about your hashtag strategy. Obviously you'll grow your account when you're using hashtags that are like design based, but you also have to think that the people who are going to hire you probably aren't following all of those hashtags because they're the ones who need your help. They're not in that world. So what you should be doing is focusing on where those people hang out. Like one of Lindsay's biggest projects she ever booked was because we had commented on a private preschool's post um, in Brentwood and (laughs) someone had seen her comment and was like, Hey, I'm looking to do an entire house remodel. Like I'd love to chat. And she booked them two days later because that that mom went to that preschool and she was like, perfect. Like that's where that mom hung out online. So it's about thinking about where people are spending their time online and not necessarily where you spend your time online. Because when you're an interior designer, you're probably actively engaging in other designers work, which is awesome. And a huge part of building that community But if someone is going to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars on their home, they're probably not someone who's so into interior design that they're like actively following those hashtags. Oh my God, this is so true. Okay, first of all, I want to go back to the thing you just said about the preschool. So I started following some private schools here in Mm -hmm. Toronto and it's a, I would love your, your insight. How do I, who is not a mother, comment on their without sound, seeming creepy that I'm following it? Or is that just not a good strategy? You know what I mean? No. I'm like, oh, they just posted something about this kid. You know, maybe they won an award. And I'm like, I don't know how to comment on here without looking like a weird creep. I think that something <laughs> that could be a really good strategy about that is talking about um, the value you have in your community and how like raising these young leaders or talent is just like helping Toronto's future and like how you really love to see that happen. Um, and I don't think that there's any shame in being like, yeah, we worked with a mom from your school and it was one of our dreamiest clients and we just want to be more involved. So I think that that's totally okay. As long as we're not like commenting on the kid's photo or like, yeah, like I know. Actual, like, Oh, it's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. And it's like, who is this person? She doesn't even appear to have children. Like, what is she doing? This is weird. I know. So this is where I go. (laughs) Another option would be to like reach out or comment and say, you know, if you guys ever have career day, I'd love to talk to you about interior design. I think it's so important for kids growing up to know that you can have a real creative job. It doesn't have to be doctor, lawyer. I know that when I was younger, that was like not something that 
that that was just not a career path that was like a clear career path. So, you know, maybe getting involved in the community that way gets you that FaceTime. A kid comes home, talks to mommy about how they had this cool designer come in. And then you're the one who gets the call when they're ready to run out. Jesus, that was like simple and so easy. I love that. That's great advice. So, okay. You said something very interesting to me that I have actually, I, I'm, I would like your hot take on, and I feel like you kind of gave me it by default, but I'm going to just ask it in a more very specific way. So one thing I have been noticing with designers is, um, well, actually, even Lindsay Brooke, for example, it, it's an example on her Instagram, but more specifically, blog posts is where I'm kind of referencing. So I've been noticing there's been designers who have been, they have a blog Mm -hmm. and they have a website and their website is an interior design website. That's what the website is. But I've been noticing that some designers are throwing in like um, industry specific content, which is very geared towards designers. And I find, and, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I find that to be a bit confusing because it's like, this is like, who is your audience and it's great content and so on and so forth. But it feels to me, that feels a bit like confusing. Um, what is your take on, and, and I ask this question because if there's any designers listening who are doing this, then maybe there's a, like, is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? And why? So let's start with that. And then I'm going to take it to Instagram and, and get your hot take on that. So what is your thoughts on that? And um, that's it. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that you brought up Lindsay. And Lindsay, if you listen to this, you know, you're one of my dearest friends and I love you. But this was a hot topic um, for us as we do our content strategy because there was a long period of time where we were rolling out blog posts, linking the product sources, etc. And I had a revelation with her and was like, you know, Lindsay, you're disserving your current clients by giving everybody links to the products that you've so carefully crafted and this custom bespoke design that you've created. I think there's other ways that we can add value to to people without discrediting your existing clients. But that aside, talking about industry specific blog posts, I think it is not the best idea to be doing it on your own blog. But I think if you have industry specific information that you want to put together an awesome post, I think that's a post that you pitch to another media outlet. Stop Mm -hmm. putting time and investment into your own website because that's not driving, driving the type of traffic that's going to convert. But if you can provide your insights and your professional expertise to something like Real Simple or um, to the Haven List. I know um, Melissa, the editor at Haven List, is always happy to feature people. Um, That is the best thing you can do for your business is to get published elsewhere. And it doesn't always have to be just a portfolio project. So as some of these designers are getting started and they're trying to come up with content to share, but they you know, they don't have six houses to show. That's a really good way to get their name out there, establish their expertise. But I would not spend hours of your time putting out industry-specific content on your own blog unless there's some sort of revenue stream along with that, like you're teaching courses that people can purchase, that sort of thing. Got it. That's, that was kind of my thought, uh, my thinking on it too. Um, and I've just kind of like... I mean, you're just seeing it a lot more and more, right? People sharing, which I think is awesome. Absolutely. But it just feels like, it feels like a disconnect in audience for the website. Now, 
Let's take it to Instagram. So what was interesting for me, and just as a default of what's like me doing this podcast, for example, and my Facebook group. So for people who are listening and aren't familiar, I have um, Real Talk Design Facebook group, which has been me sharing my journey of starting this business, like after kind of starting over, right? So by default, it just drives um, a designer audience to my Instagram, which is fine. No big deal. But... So now it gets very confusing to me. I'm like, what content do I put in my story? So I did a poll in my stories. Now, I don't know how many people respond to polls. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, how accurate is the data? I don't know. But 70% of the people who watch my stories and answered the poll said they were designers. So I was like, okay. Whether or not that's who's seeing and engaging with my posts, I mean, I'd say it is a lot of... Like, even when you go to designers and you're looking at the comments, it's a lot of designers following each other. So, so how do you... Obviously, we know Lindsay does mentor uh, Mondays, like every other Monday or one, whatever that schedule is. So, obviously, you do have thoughts on this. Like, what is your hot take on how to deal with a large designer audience on Instagram and how you can try to shift it maybe or do it do you just welcome it yeah. work with it so I think maintaining a large designer audience is still totally valuable but I just want to make sure you guys are understanding where that hyper focus is so the fact that other designers are commenting on your posts and like you're engaging with them is great because Instagram runs on an algorithm as we all know and hear about it all the time Um, So if you are getting seven comments from other designers, it is more likely to show in the feed of that other 30% who are not designers. So there is a lot of value in commenting and engaging and having a designer audience because they are more likely just naturally to have interest in that design and have more like feedback. Because again, the people who are going to hire you probably aren't that interested in interior design. Otherwise they'd be someone who wants to do their own house. You know, that's like something they would feel passionate about. Um, So I think that there's total value in, in, feeding and nurturing your fellow interior design following because it helps grow your following. It helps you beat that algorithm. Um, And I think honestly, from a business standpoint, it helps keep you sane. Like you need to find your people and you need to have people to lean on. And I am a thousand percent a supporter of that. So I don't want to discredit any of that. And I want everybody to like keep commenting and keep like supporting your design community a hundred percent. But I think that you can be careful in your content, in your messaging. So even as you're posting portfolio shots, my favorite thing, and again, I maybe I'll send you the link when we publish it in a couple of weeks, but when we're talking about our editorial calendar, we always say that you know every fifth image needs to be talking about a problem we solved for our client. Like, how did we solve this project? Like, how did we actually bring value to this project besides pulling some wallpaper and paint samples? I love that. That's where I think you can have that community, but you can be constantly serving your potential clientele by talking about like, what is it that a designer is actually going to do for you besides just have great taste? And that's Mm -hmm. where you get the conversions. So I really encourage you guys to talk about the problems you solved, the challenges you faced while it was happening. Um, I know certain of my clients, everybody does it differently, but like as far as your trade discounts, you know, some 
some of our clients split the trade discount with their clients, some pass the entire discount on. I mean, by the time you talk about that, you're saving someone 40% off if they were going to go do it themselves. So talking about those sort of things, you don't even necessarily have to disclose numbers, but making people realize that like there is so much money and value saved, not to mention like constant headache and disappointment of trying to do an entire renovation on their own. Um, That's how I would suggest you strategize your your written content i i really really like that actually um so what do you suggest the other four out of five posts be like just what else yeah, so <laughs> and it, it's kind of lengthy it really is something that you'll have to read up on when we share that but essentially we like to have a portfolio shot where it's just kind of like a short little quip, like something charming and witty that someone can relate to. Then we like to have a more pulled in detail shot. And that's usually going to be talking about a strategy or planning session through your design phase. Um, the third image, depending on the client, some of them only use their own shot. Some people do regram, but we usually like that third image to be an inspirational regram where we're mm-hmm. always crediting the designer and the photographer builder if it's available. Um, we do have an Instagram etiquette post on the blog that you guys can reference if you're like hesitant as to how to do that correctly. Um, and then we talk about problem solving for the client. So that's kind of like the rotation that we go through. Um, we have a few others and everybody's, we customize everybody's editorial plan to them and kind of their goals. But that seems to be the sweet spot where like you're still connecting with your community. You're still getting your personality out there, but you're always on brand and casually subconsciously having call to actions for people to inquire with you. Okay. Can you give us a few examples of what you mean by casually doing that? Yeah. So talking about how you problem solve for a client, um, that's a really subconscious call to action. So as you talk about, you know, we moved into a 1970s ranch home. It has a great flat floor plan, but it's like the dining room is a single room. The kitchen's a galley kitchen with walls on all sides. Like it's totally broken up. They're three blocks from their parents' house. They host dinner parties all the time and like nobody can fit anywhere. So we were able to move this wall, open this up. We worked with our contractor to actually build an incredible um, eat at kitchen Island that actually seats eight people. So we're able to do that. And we didn't have to, we were able to use up that space from the dining room in a different way, talking about how you were able to creatively problem solve. People are like, I need to call you. Um, I do not think there's anything wrong with saying, if you are looking to start a reno next spring, I'd love to start chatting with you now. Click the link uh, in our okay. box. So, so something yeah, you're really box. meeting like very, very like subtle. I was thinking you were going to say like, oh yeah, just call us for your help (laughs) or whatever. So I like that though. It's like people are relating to the problems and wanting to call you because they saw you solve them for someone else. Right. So specificity is kind of of a, a good thing. Yes, absolutely. It also lets your content stretch so much further because let's say you get 12 images back from your photographer and you're like, how am I going to make this work? I don't have anything else to shoot for six months. Um, obviously, you can crop things in. Like if you have your horizontal photos, although you always want to be posting vertical photos on Instagram, oh, um, go ahead and crop it to be 
to, I mean, you can crop a horizontal photo probably six different ways, like depending on how close you want to get in. So just be cropping from your high res shots, but by stretching the content out and to be talking about the problems you solved and not just like, look at this beautiful rug. That's the number one thing I see designers making a mistake for. They just talk about the end result, but like your job is the process in between. That's where your value is, not just the design at the end. This is really good. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Um, so you, okay. So you, okay. You were talking about crediting. So I'm going to call myself out right now. I don't know if you remember this or not, but recently somebody said the most amazing thing. I didn't know where I got the quote. I posted it on my Instagram and, um, I didn't credit the person who said it or wrote it or tweeted or whatever. And uh-huh. I didn't even know who this person was. It was the Beyonce. I want to say it was the oh, Beyonce. Oh, yeah. What, what is the quote? Do you ever remember it? It was like... I do. It's like... And I, I can't find Beyonce, my phone. It took Beyonce eight months to prepare for a one-hour performance. Something along like, remember that next time you want something to happen quickly in business. Yeah. It so was good. Tyler McCall was the first person who said it. Exactly. So anyways, I did the old, oh my God, I love that quote. I'm going to repurpose. And normally like I do like, I normally, if I know who said something, I, I will say that, but I was like, whatever. Like I didn't think it was a big deal. So I turned it into a pretty little image and then I posted it and everybody freaking loved it. But then a couple comments perked me up. Like someone was like, oh, credit like said Tyler, whatever. So then I clicked it. I went to Tyler. I was like, oh, and then hilariously when I did that, it was like, one or two posts before I went, he had posted about crediting quotes and I felt like a dick. I was like, oh my God. Like, and it had, and it was posted before me, but I happened to do it after he had posted right. it. So otherwise I would have been like, he's totally talking about me. Cause I'm like apparently a narcissist and I would have assumed it was all about me. <laughs> but like, so anyways, I was mortified. I was freaking mortified. And then you said, you commented too on my post. I don't know. There was like somehow, da, 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 whatever. And then so I deleted it. And then I like reposted the proper thing with like his tweet, whatever I did. And then, so crediting, you're like, your philosophy is it's okay to include inspiration photos and or quotes, but it's so important to properly credit. So is there anything else aside from like adding the person that would be proper etiquette for crediting somebody? Yeah. So um, it's funny. This actually happened to me this weekend. The queen, Marie Kondo posted my closet this weekend. I know she did. I saw that. And she tagged some random marketing company in some somewhere um, that at least by the time I had seen it, my photo was not even on their feed, but they had five or six photos that were mine that they never had tagged me in. Um, and so their team had, you know, that's where they found it. And then that's who they posted it from. Um, but I thought it was so interesting after a billion people had said, Hey, this is Anastasia's photo and Madeline Harper took it or whatever. Took three days for someone on their team to read their comments and actually correct it. And at that point, 50,000 people had liked it. And, you know, a page. Right. And, you know, 72 hours is like the absolute most lifespan of a post before it drops in the algorithm. So it happens. And if I was a professional organizer, it would have been a huge bummer for me. It was just like an ego thing. Um, But I think that you can, you always just want to make sure that like the content that you're reposting is really from that person, especially if you had found it um, on a blog, like for instance, style me pretty living. If you had seen something from there, you just want to make sure that 
I know they work really hard to credit properly. So like, don't credit style me pretty living. You'll need to credit the designer. Um, and the photographer, that's a huge one because that is literally their lifeline. That is, and I can tell you a room does not look the same way when I shoot it. It's when my photographer shoots I can it. attest to that but also. Make and I sure wish more designers get their that. credit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my biggest thing is just make sure that you tag them, not just in the caption, but also actually tag them in the photo. And this is really because for a big account, you only get to see like the last, I think it's like 90 news things in your news feed. So like your likes and comments. And for some of these big accounts, it's like you're getting like 90 comments and likes like in a matter of seconds. So if you didn't tag them in the actual photo, they'll never know you even shared it. And from that, that's just because you want them to see that you shared it. Um, so that's the biggest thing. I just, you know, if someone's sharing my content, I want to thank them. I want to say, thank you so much for sharing this, or I'm so glad you like it. And a lot of times it can be missed. That's a good thing to remember too. If you are sharing from a blog or if you're wanting to get your posts regrammed, make sure and tag the people you're trying to get regrammed from in the photo, because if you're just commenting on it, those bigger accounts, like I can't see stuff that happened in my newsfeed, you know, three hours ago. Cause it, it, it times out. Yeah. Um, that's great advice. That's one thing. Just make sure you're tagging in the feed, but then you also want to make sure you're tagging in the caption so that when people are reading the post, they see who the credit is to. Um, I also like to, um, when we're doing it for clients, we like to say what we really like about it, or we like to say how it helps our design process or something along the lines where your caption is original going with their post. So it's not literally just like regurgitating someone else's account. Yeah. Um, try to try to spin it in a unique way where it serves your purpose um, and compliments and credits them. Yeah. And for me, like I've, I've tried to just keep repurposing my own stuff now because mm-hmm. it feels like, and I have done a lot of inspiration, but, and there's a lot of mixed feelings and I'm sure even with the designers you work with, yeah. on that, there's some passionate top like people um, who for that reason, but, um, but for me, it's like, I never want to be misrepresenting myself. And even when you do the, the hardest thing is even when you do tag the person, credit the person, you see the comments coming in like, Oh, I love it. Great work. And you're like, damn it. No, this isn't my work. Like, but that's why I personally, I also try to start with like inspo or something that like off the hop, I'm trying to make sure like it's so blatantly obvious. It's not my work because I never, I'm like an overly honest person. So I'm never ever trying to misrepresent myself or take credit for something that's not mine. But right. it's crazy. Even with your best efforts, people just like blindly comment, right? Yeah. But, and one thing that we go through for our cl- clients, we'll go back and respond and be like, yeah, you know, Lindsay did such a great job on this project. And yeah. So then they can be like, oh, maybe I should. But I did want to comment. You said something else about how people feel really strongly about you know, I feel like people are kind of polarized. They're either like all four regrams and think that it's great. And other people are like, no, like that's plagiarism. Um, I did just want to leave a comment and a great example. You think about Studio McGee and they have in business, been in business for less than five years. However, they are more regrams than any other designer out there. And they are so gracious about it. They go through and like every photo, they never have um, been defensive about it and I think that is a huge reason why they've been able to grow the way they have so if you're feeling um you know as you're starting out and you work so hard on a project and you see someone took it 
it's really quite easy to feel defensive about it and feel like someone's ripping you off. But just remember that it's a compliment. At the end of the day, their portfolio can't match up to what yours can. And so... It's um, a secure... Yeah, it's a se- like, feel secure in yourself. Right. And I'm going to I'm gonna blow that up a little bit more too because, well, first of all, if anybody freaking posts anything that I've done, I'm so utterly flattered just because like it happens so rarely. Um, but... <laughs> I want to elaborate on what you just were said about Studio McGee too. So another thing that like designers get up in arms about, and I feel like people just need to check themselves and, and give themselves a little more credit is like, what paint color did you use? What wallpaper did you use? Where's that table from? Like in the Facebook groups, people are like, Oh my God, I'm so pissed off that somebody asked me. It's like Studio McGee as an example answers those questions without any bitchiness, without any, like, where they can, obviously. And I think it's so important for us to realize that we are not a paint color. Like, (laughs) we are are not... The paint color is not what makes the room. We are what how we bring all of A, B, C, D, E, F, G together to create Michelle Bennett Design's room. Like, so I think we all just need to chill out a little bit and just have a little bit of grace um and compassion like be a little bit more compassionate to people and and just appreciative that they even give a shit enough to think that they would ask and sometimes they don't people aren't another thing I see too is like I'm I'm annoyed by like you're just asking me like say hi or or say it a certain way it's like people already feel like they know us and they don't feel like they have to like they're like oh I've been watching you you're like my friend oh my god I love that color what color is it and just like just it is the way it is and let's stop being angry about how people approach it it's just you're not going to change people like right and you just have to remember you're the one who's sharing that and you're sharing it on social media which is meant to be engaging and therefore you're inviting questions so I certainly agree and I think that you should um actually be really grateful that they're commenting with that yeah because it gives you the opportunity to respond that instantly gets you two more comments and that helps you in the algorithm so um, yeah, you can, it's always benefiting your account to go ahead and respond. But I think you're so right. Um, Shay McGee and their whole team, I know it's not just her, um, ha- are always so gracious and so absolutely lovely when people share things. And, um, I think that it is a huge attribute among a thousand other reasons why they're as successful as they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so yeah, like sometimes it, all it takes is a, just a mental head shift on like, how you perceive something that's happening on your account. It's like totally it's so much easier to just be thankful and feel gratitude, you know? Yeah. Okay. What else did I have? Okay. We were talking about Instagram. So, okay. You've already talked about your blog and I'm going to, as a person who has no like skin in the game, going to say, absolutely. You have to go check out the blog. I have gotten so much value from your blog posts. And one of the things I did read was your hashtag blog post, which I, I don't know when you post it, but I started implementing the strategy in that blog post myself. Mm-hmm. Can you share just a quick, like maybe just like, I know I don't want you to regurgitate your blog post, but we'll also share that blog post in my show notes, AKA the attached to the actual episode. But can you share that strategy? And has that changed at all? Because I know things are ever changing. Like, is that still the strategy you use? Right. Um, thank you for reading the blog post and thank you for your sweet comments on the blog. It, it takes a lot of our resources to oh, put that I in. Yeah, I believe so it. I really appreciate that you take the time to read it. Um, I 
we're probably we're currently working on updating it i think that generally that blog post still is a super smart strategy for people so there's a few things that we talk about in there a we list like our favorite hashtags for designers um and so that if you're stuck you don't really know where to start go and pick 30 from that list that most fit your design um but we talk about kind of breaking up your hashtags so you get 30 hashtags per post right so we talk about using about 20 industry-wide interior design slash lifestyle type hashtags. And then another five are going to be location-based. If you're a location-based um, designer, which most of you probably are, although a lot of you probably include e-design services. And then the last five are going to be very photo-specific. So if we're talking about, you know, you have a, gorgeous waterfall island kitchen um you'll talk about like waterfall island it'll be hashtag waterfall island so you want it to be super post specific you'll have those general ones which are helpful for the growth and to get those likes but you want to make sure and include those specific ones in your post because people do use instagram like a search engine and so when someone is looking for inspo with waterfall island you want to make sure that that post shows up in that. So make sure that you're still dedicating a few of your hashtags towards that. Um, you also want to be adding your hashtags, not in your first original comment. Like when you go to post, you want to add it as a comment later. Um, I don't remember what timeline we have published on that blog post. I think it was, I know it was an hour later. When oh, I it, it. We did update it. Yeah. So we updated it to an hour later. There's a threshold um, we have found in our accounts. If you're under about 5,000 followers, adding them um, like within 20 minutes in the first comment seems to do really well. Oh, okay. I'll um, change that then. <laughs> yeah. See what happens when you tweak it. And, and I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. It is all algorithm specific, but we do manage a lot of accounts of different sizes. So we've been able to kind of track, you know, and test things at different um, times. The other strategy is if you have more than 5,000 followers, posting an hour later is great. Now, the third threshold is if you're at like 15,000 followers or more, um, we're actually adding our hashtags in a full 24 hours later. The mm-hmm. something about adding our hashtags in immediately after somehow it pings something in the algorithm and makes it feel spammy and we will get much higher organic likes and be seen in way more feeds if we don't add our hashtags in for a whole day. So we actually go in and add those later. So again, if you're below 5,000, go ahead and add them in like within 20, 30 minutes as a comment. Um, If you're between 5,000 and about 15, an hour later seems to perform really well. And then if you're over 15, go ahead and give it a day. See how it runs. Freaking amazing advice. People are going to love this. Um, so my question to you is, okay, how do you remember to do that? Do you guys set timers? Or I guess like, is it just, what is your advice to a, like a, set a timer after you post kind of thing? <laughs> well, to be honest, it's a little tricky. I mean, it's our job. That's literally what we yeah. do. So we kind of have it ingrained in our brain, but I, it should end up becoming natural, like a habit for you, because you also, as soon as you start getting comments, you want to respond to those comments as soon as possible. Because again, it's just like a little tweak to the algorithm 
that Instagram sees that it's performing better, that it's more engaging, that people are going to want to see that post. And every time you respond to a comment, you're instantly doubling your comments. Like think about that. If you got four comments on a post, but responded to every single one, suddenly you have eight comments on a post. Um, So make sure you respond to every single comment. So yeah, like set a little reminder, make a mental note. If you post at the same time every day, which we do recommend, um, like within 30 minutes, like, you know, a general time that works really well is 8 PM, whatever your time zone is. Um, and so be posting between 7:45 and 8:15 is like a good time. Um, early in the morning does well. Cause a lot of people wake up and the first thing they do is start scrolling their feed. Yeah. Um, so early, early in the morning, but just be thinking about where your ideal clients are. So if your ideal client has two little ones and they're both working and they have to get to preschool by seven 30, I mean, they're probably doing that at like five 30 in the morning when they're very first waking up. So think about when your ideal client is spending time online. Got it. And okay. So what I noticed, and I'm curious if I noticed correctly or not. So I basically took all your hashtags and created myself a spreadsheet and identified. And then I, for me, hashtags are exhausting. So I just (laughs) put them into like text replacement um, on my phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for the listeners, like a little, do do yourself a favor, hashtags get really cumbersome. And if you're repurposing hashtags, search text replacement on a smartphone. And you, so and use those strategies and follow along how to figure out how to do that. But so for example, I did like group one, group two. So I would, I was taking turns, like I used the hashtags and I threw a couple other ones in, but that you had provided in your blog post. And I made a group one, a group two, group three. And then I would try to go like, if this blog, if I posted this one, I would do like group one. And then the next one I do group two, then the next one I do group three. But I felt like, um, at the beginning, like it, I saw a lot of traction from that. Would you say if you're continuing to use the same hashtag, does it like exhaust out a little bit because maybe people are seeing you often in those feeds and they stop engaging or, or is that even just, or maybe my content just sucked, but is that, no, no, I, think no? you're, I think you're spot on. I think you definitely need to like update your hashtag list. I think that there are certain ones that are definitely core, like there are just certain hashtags that are really popular in the industry. Um, so you want to be swapping those out. Um, usually we update our hashtag list like every two months or so. And when I say update it, I mean, we're switching like four of them. I mean, we're not like starting from scratch. Um, but you do have to think about how you probably have maxed out, like you saturated that. So at this point, people have either chosen to follow you or not chosen to follow you mm-hmm. under a certain hashtag. If you use the same hashtag twice a day for six months and they follow that hashtag, then they've made that choice <laughs> one way or the other. So by switching it up, um, it makes it feel more organic to the algorithm, but also it just opens up new sets of eyes. I mean, ideally switching up your hashtags every time would be killer because you're just like casting a wider net. Um, so yeah, just kind of make a mental note that every two months or so, every 60, 90 days, you go through and just do like a little Instagram cleanup and you can check those out. The other thing you can do is, and this is like, I've never told anyone this. This is like super exclusive information. You heard it here first, pretty poops. <laughs> I can't wait. You can also go in and like, let's say you have a killer post that like performs so well from 
you know, a couple of weeks ago, you can go in, delete your hashtags and then replace it with literally photo specific and location specific only hashtags. And this is because it's already run its course through the algorithm. It's like, it's under, you know, hashtag lashes of delight was the one of the first ones you'd use, you know, three weeks later, that's like pages and pages and pages down that feed. But if you switch it over and now you're saying hashtag ATX interior designer, that's where you're going to find those opportunities where people are using it as a search engine and your image is showing up. So there's a little hack. So it's like, first you do those general ones that are going to get to those initial likes, but then you want to make sure that your photo is filed away for someone to find using searchable hashtags. Very smart. And, um, Oh, one other thing. I just, just to be clear, you'll get an error if you try to add hashtags. You'll have to delete the comment with the hashtags that were first there to then add a new comment with your new hashtags. You can't just add to it because you max out at 30. Right. So, like, if somebody randomly was posting hashtags on mine, is that counting as part of the 30? No, it only counts as yours. Just like if someone randomly hashtags, you know, hashtag goals, that photo will not show up under hashtag goals. It only counts from like the poster. Okay. In the comments too. Correct. Got it. Okay. So with regards to, um, more like local hashtags, right? Like I'm in Toronto, Uh I want Toronto clients. One thing that I don't totally understand and hopefully you can give me a bit and the listeners a bit of clarity on is, um, I, I assume we want to do things like Toronto interior designer, Mm -hmm. geo designer, whatever. But is there also like, are we also trying to use like other local based hashtags that say nothing about design? Yes. hundred percent. Again. Okay. So like Toronto designer, that's awesome because if someone's at the point where they're like ready to hire a designer and they go ahead and like look up Toronto hashtag Toronto designer, um, you want to be found there. But like, for instance, here in Austin, we have like hashtag do five, one, two, um, or like ATX living or things like that, because you want to get your, your feed in front of people who aren't in the industry. So like, again, you have to think about where your clients, potential clients are spending time. So whether that's like your local, I don't know, private schools hashtag and like you want to put your stuff in front of that. You just need to think about where are they spending time? A great one would be like country clubs or um, like recreational parks or like your favorite dinner spots. Like when you can add those hashtags, like what are local things or hashtag neighborhoods? Those are great options because people want to see what's happening in the neighborhood. Speaking of that, I do want to talk about geotags all the time. I see interior designers like geotag their own office. And like, that's the dumbest thing you can do because (laughs) (laughs) really is because you're missing out on a huge portion of the value of Instagram. You want to be hash, you want to be geotagging your broadest city you can. So like we will always be geotagging Austin, Texas, um, because that has its, you can look at a geotag's feed. And so if you're only geotagging your own office, the only discovery tool you're giving is if someone already finds your office and looks at that geotag. <laughs> and the chances are if someone's gotten that far, they already know who you are and like you're wasting that discovery tool. But if you geotag a specific neighborhood on your post, or you geotag Toronto in general, then you're putting yourself in front of a way wider audience, which is what you want to be doing. Okay. So here's a stupid question. When you say somebody is geotagging their office address, like specific, like, like what does that even look like to do that? 
Because I wouldn't do yeah, that because I work from like, home. Right, right. But like, if someone had like an actual office space, you can create a geotag. And like, for instance, we could set up a geotag that said the Identity Collective, and it would show us on the corner of West and Congress or Eighth. Oh, okay. Um, and like, that's cool if you have a store that you want to drive traffic to, but like, we're service based, so you're just wasting effort. Yeah. Okay. That actually, thank you for answering that because geotags I didn't totally understand, and it sounds like you really. Should we be geotagging every post we ever put on? Every single thing. And you don't have to just do your own post or you, I'm sorry. You don't have to just do your own city. If there's like new markets you want to break into geotag yourself there, like show up in that feed. So it's not like it's okay that I post a portfolio image that happens to be in Woodbridge irrelevant to you, but in Woodbridge, but I geotag at Toronto. That's not, that's okay. not poor etiquette or anything? Not at all. Hey. No, that's 100%. great. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, okay. if you want to get more clients in Woodbridge, then, you know, maybe every other post you share from that project, you switch between Toronto and Woodbridge. Like, if you, there's a target neighborhood, keep tra- tagging in that target neighborhood. But if you're like, I, I'll work with anybody <laughs> I want to find the right client anywhere in the city. It's not a specific neighborhood that, yeah, tag the whole city. Okay. And actually, um, I get a little weird when I, when I tag a neighborhood, cause I'm like, how do I, like, for example, High Park is an area here in Toronto and I'm like, it says High Park, but I'm like, what if it's not really High Park? Is there a way to identify like, yeah. So do a little research, go to your, hold on, let me pull out my phone. So I, can I don't know where time. I put my phone. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how to search by geo. See, this is just how familiar with uh, Instagram I am. I don't even so know how to search like the second icon in the menu bar at the bottom. You'll see that there's four tabs at the top. It'll say top accounts, tabs, and places. So if you click on places and if you type in Hyde Park, we have a Hyde Park here in Austin too. You can see a whole list of them and just click on one and it'll show you the feed. So you guys listening won't be able to see it. Yeah. But so I just clicked Hyde Park and like those are all of the top posts oh, from Hyde okay. Park. Um, so that's a good way to you. confirm, like I've tagged it proper, like double check the, the actual yeah. tag. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Um, let, you know what? We may not get it. We're not going to get into website talk today, but that's okay. Cause I think this is really good. I think everybody scratches their head when it comes to Instagram and the questions that I got were regarding Instagram, but I, let's talk about IGTV. Okay. Any thoughts and feelings about it? I've been trying to do a lot of IGTV with my reno. I don't know. If it's yeah. Anything. <laughs> so video content is still and probably always will be like the most engaging content you can have. Um, I think that stories is where you should be investing your time with video content technically because people sit there and will watch story after story after story. I think that IGTV is a little trickier to get to. I just don't think that it's as natural for for people to start watching. However, that way you can store your video content. So there's, you know, when you are doing a project walkthrough or your reno updates, like you can have that so people can refer back to it. Um, I do think that everybody can benefit from more video content. I do like zero video content myself. I'm so bad about it. Um, it's something that we have a goal of doing, but it is something that we're strategizing with a couple of our clients now who, you know, they have some serious projects under their belt. They've got some big projects in the loop. So they're hiring a video team and they're putting together content. Um, I know 
uh, Jenny Comenda does great video content and Lindy Galloway does great video content. Both of them do awesome stuff. Um, Who was the first one you said? I'm going to write that down. I think I'm saying her name right, sweet Jen. Um, Jenny Comenda. Um, she does Juniper Print Shop, which is an awesome source for yep. Bart. Yeah. Um, Jenny's video content is so good. She's so natural. She's so chill. And just like everything she posts is so fascinating to me. I watch everything she shares. Okay. Um, yeah. It's like hanging out with your super cool best friend. Yeah, <laughs> I love awesome. it. Um, so video content is just always going to be the most engaging. It's also great because then you can recycle that in other places. You can share that video content on your Facebook page. You can start a YouTube channel because your YouTube channel is going to get the best, um, search engine results. Um, so there's definitely value in it. (laughs) I wish I had more authority on like how to just make that happen super easily on a Tuesday. Um, I think the more, (laughs) I think the more FaceTime you can get in front of your camera, just talking to people, the better um, people are addicted to Instagram because they can connect with people all over. So the more you can kind of put yourself out there, stories is the place to do that. So your feed can still look like a beautiful portfolio, but like get your face out there so people can make that emotional connection. And when they go to hire someone, they know that they want to go to you. And do you, this was the thing I know I don't do. I I do stories, but I mean, since I've been living in this dungeon in my basement, I haven't done as many, but um, I do love stories because anything that means I'm not having to produce a video after, like I don't care as much because I'm a perfectionist. So with stories, I'm just like, hey man, this is there's a there's a great filter I can throw on there. My hair's not done. I do not care. But um, do I need to be hashtagging? Is it the same strategy hashtagging? And is that important? So I think that. It's a great strategy to pick one or two hashtags that are going to be really big hashtags. So like this is where it would be hashtag SM make life beautiful. If you have a studio McGee type style or a hashtag ambulance interiors ain't got nothing on me, like a larger hashtag that people really watch and follow because it will show up in that stories highlight. Um, I just do one or two and a trick to kind of hide them, shrink the text as small as you can and then spot color something in the background because then they'll just disappear in the video. Oh my God, um, I've totally done that. And I was like, is this again, a bad hack that Instagram doesn't like, but no, no, it's great. Yeah. So, but I would just, I would just do two, like just okay. two places. And just remember that if you're doing like a series of stories, you in order for it to be cohesive and make sense when someone discovers you that way, you'll need to have that hashtag in each of the stories, not just one. So if like you're talking across four stories, just don't get lazy. Make sure you add it to each one. I do. Super valuable is you can add your geotag into your story. Um, And so So add your geotag Toronto. You can click it once and it'll turn like, gray with a white or white with a gray background and you can just make it real small but that way it shows up in your city's feed too oh that's good yeah i feel like that's a really good one that one people are thing, probably not doing as much so i can maybe benefit from that yes exactly that people are not doing as much one other i'm gonna cut this out so nobody else knows this hack <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> one other thing that we just read this hack for people who don't have the ten thousand followers to do a swipe up Um, you can do a direct mention tag in your story. You know how you would like tag someone as a sticker, tag yourself. So you can say, click here, then it clicks over to your own bio and then they can click the link in bio to be able to get that link that you're trying to give them. 
Oh my God. This is so yeah. many good tips right now. <laughs> uh, okay. We have answered all the questions. Here's what I want to do though, because I did ask people if they had questions. Um, I'm going, you answered the main question. So Crispin Butterfield, I want to shout her out. She said, uh, talk about Instagram al- algorithms and how to best win the wow I can't talk Instagram algorithms and how to best win the Instagram game I feel like you did an amazing job answering that question and I also know that that my response to her was like wow that's like the most broad question ever (laughs) and like everybody's asking but is there anything else you'd say in relation to that I feel like I can give you guys like three instant tips you need oh my god that was her next thing she's like ask for three tips perfect (laughs) okay so make sure you're posting at least six times a week like you have to be regular and if you feel like you don't have new content to share come up with a new caption to share with a previously shared image it doesn't have to be a new image every time so that's one thing um respond to your comments as quickly as you can and just make sure that every comment gets a response even if it's two days later um it's nice it makes people feel good and it doubles your sorry I have to see. oh <laughs> sorry i'll see you we'll edit that out <laughs> oh excuse me sorry um, and yeah it just makes people feel good and it instantly doubles your number of comments so that's the other one and then lastly and most importantly our quick tip before we post anything we go and find 10 accounts that we are not currently following usually through a hashtag we comment and like on their photo before we post our own because it is natural and human nature for someone to see that a comment came in and they click over to your profile. They're more likely to instantly engage back with you. So do that every single time you go to post that can be your outbound engagement and you'll see a very quick um, and organic growth come from that. So good. So, okay. I want my question. What what was the second tip you gave again? I had a question. Oh, well, yeah. What was the second one? Cause I had a question about it. I had a follow oh, make sure to post to post six times a week right okay yes that was it so would it be fair to say so I started using uh what's uh, there's an app called like planogram or something like that right and uh-huh. I was built and I was like I I was like building out my gr- my grid and like playing with it and I used a lot of my portfolio images and I did do some recycling and whatever and I got excited. So I was very consistent for a while. Then I feel like I felt exhausted of my content and I didn't have new content. And I'm, I'm on a very like, I'd, I'd rather not post other people's content kick. So I got, I've gotten a little lazy mm-hmm. and like uninspired. Would you say that it's probably safe to say that because I haven't been consistent and posting six times a week that that's because my, my Instagram has halted at 2780, like uh, 2,780. Like I have like had no growth from there. It just feels like it's just like stopped. Is it probably because I haven't been consistent? Yes, I think it's, and if you guys take a break, like don't get down on yourself, but just know when you pick it back up again, it's probably going to take about a week for you to kind of start seeing the traction you were seeing before, because when you haven't posted, like it does change the algorithm. So just know if you take a break, it's totally okay. Everybody needs to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, but just don't get discouraged when you're like, well, that one only got 34 likes. Like, why am I even picking this back up? Again? Okay. And, and it, is it like basically Instagram's kind of saying like, high five, you're, you're consistent. So we're going to be like good to you. 
Yes. And it has more data to formulate the algorithm around. So like if you post it for six days, it can pull six days worth of data. If you haven't posted in weeks, it's like it, it doesn't know that it's going to perform well or not. Um, the other thing is that outbound engagement. So even if you're not posting, you can still grow your account rapidly by commenting on other people's posts and just make sure that, you know, comment on new people's posts, not just, not only just people that you already follow. Um, because hopefully they're already following you back and that's great. And that's super important. You should always comment on, like, I really believe in putting out what you expect people to Mm -hmm. do for you. Um, but in order to get those new follows, you need to be commenting on new accounts. Okay. And then my last question is, you know, when you're like, that was clearly a bot or whatever, do you, is it best to comment on that? Or do you just give a quick, like, Heart and move on like what's the best strategy for what clearly looks like I a bot still try to respond every time even if it's just saying like thanks so much um because thanks so much is a better performer in the algorithm than just like a winky face or something okay. and a like and a like doesn't help your algorithm at all um not not a like on your photo a, a like of a comment um okay. i like to i like to heart everyone that i've responded to so that I and my clients know that this has been responded to kind of helps us gauge responded to. Um, but, and it's nice because then it's one more chance in someone's newsfeed. Mm -hmm. What is it called where it's like your alerts, like your your notifications. Yeah. Yeah. You're under your notifications. Someone will see that you liked it and then you can also respond. So then your name comes up twice in their notifications feed, which just gets your name out there twice as much. So that's that side of it. But don't, yeah, just don't get discouraged. Take a break. It's totally fine to take a little cleanse, but just know that it'll be a slow start until you kind of build that back up. And that's totally fine. Okay. Well, there you go. That explains my uh, decline. And because what would happen is like, oh, I'm going to post today and posted and I'm going to post today and I feel good about this post. And then you're like, well, that didn't happen like last time so then you're just discouraged again so consistency sounds to be like also an important element of all of this consistency and when you have like when you want to regurgitate content like come up with new interesting information about that image or even non-related to that image like some sort of value add um, we don't need you to just describe what is in the image. Like we can see what's in the image. Yeah. Um, so talk about problem solving. Talk about how you were able to source it from a special trade only vendor. Talk about how you guys went to thirty seven different vintage stores and then sourced X, Y, and Z for the project. Um, another really good tip is to ask people to look for something in the picture. Like, can you spot X, Y, and Z? Can you guess which piece is vintage? The oh. longer someone talks the longer it takes someone, the longer time spent looking at a photo, the better it performs. So that's a good one. So if you look for something in the picture, like for us in our industry, it makes a lot of sense to say like, can you spot the vintage or like, um, would you guess which of these is a performance fabric or something along that something that someone has to look for. It's going to get them eyeballs on the post longer, which gets you a better algorithm performance. People are going to love this so much. So when is, you said you were talking about that blog post that's coming out with the calendar template or yes. when is that yes. coming out? Cause what I'd love to do tell you. is like, maybe we can align it so that I can make sure to add it. I can always add it after, even if this launches before then, but 
Um, July 3rd, our no-fail Instagram editorial calendar for interior designers will be launching. Okay, I'm going to make a note. Like, if you think of it, I'm not expecting you to. If you think of it, shoot it to me because I'll make sure to add it. But I'll also set myself a reminder that when I edit this and to make sure I I link it to that. And then actually just next week, so I don't know when we're going live with this, um, but on the 26th, we're doing (laughs) 13 unique Instagram content ideas for interior designers. And we talk about some really clever ways to make your content last a little longer. I love it. And it'll probably be after that. So I'll make sure to link to that too. Amazing. Thank you so very much for meeting with me. And I I know we took a little longer than I planned, but you know, you just got to roll with it. So can you tell everybody where they can follow you if they're not following you by some crazy chance? Yes. So our primary account is at the Identity Collective and that's where all of the blog and lifestyle and interiors content will be housed. Um, We just started a new account at idco.studio and that's where we're trying to move all of our graphic design, web design work over to. Please give us a follow there. We're a very sad brand new account, but um, I'm really confident in it and it's nice to have proper places for things. Um, It's been a a gray area for a long time. And so I'm really excited about that clear, concise um, split. And that also means that we brought on another editorial manager. We have girls from the design sponge team. We have girls from the styling team writing for us. Um, and so we're going to be ramping up that blog content too. So it's exciting to have like a blog and a business. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So actually speaking of which I lied, one more question. I wanted to start, uh, a specific Instagram, and this is just like the dumbest question and I shouldn't even waste your time with this. I wanted to start an Instagram for Real Talk Design because right now I also have been conflicted with sharing the blog. I only share, sorry, the podcast in stories because I know, or it seems based on what people have responded that um, 70% of people watching that, and I make sure that it's, I don't share podcasts that it might be like really bad for a client to hear just in case. But, um, right. yeah. Uh, do, can you set up multiple Instagram accounts with one email or like, I feel like I've heard you can't do that. And how yes, do you toggle you back and forth to make it easy? Um, so yeah, once you set up a second one, it's actually really easy. Um, you'll just go to, um, up at the top when you're looking at your own profile, there's um, you see your name up at the top, there's a drop down menu and you can hit add account and then okay. you can add a new account. Do know, and this is a hack that we learned on an iPhone, you can only have five accounts on your phone. If you're on an Android phone, you can have more than that. You just have to log out of them, but it's really tricky on an iPhone. Like once you've added five accounts, like you never get to get rid of those accounts. You can't touch them. Really? <laughs> Yeah, our team all had to get second devices so that we could have all these Instagram accounts. Um, but yeah, you can add another account. The, the trick is you can't have multiple accounts linked to the same Facebook business page. So if you're using a scheduler like Planoly or Tailwind that's automatically posting for you, um, you'll need to decide which account you want that to do because it'll run through your Facebook business page. Amazing. Well, thank you again for one last tip for me. Anyways, thank you so much. Con- like amazing success for you and congratulations. Um, I hope that hopefully some new people will find your, like your Instagram feed is freaking gorgeous. So it, you are like the perfect graphic designer slash brand, brand designer, uh, web designer, sorry, whatever, whatever we want to bucket you into for designers. And I, 
I'm in awe of what you've done. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And if anybody has any questions, just shoot us a DM and we'd be happy to walk you through it. Amazing. And I'll keep you posted on when this goes live so that you can awesome. be aware. All right. Bye, lady. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks. You too. I'll talk to you later. Wow. Right? Thank you so much to Anastasia from the Identity Collective. I find it so incredibly rare to talk to somebody or read an article or watch a video where somebody's explaining something or giving you actionable tips that you feel like you haven't heard before. It's just so rare. And I feel like so much of what she just talked about was new information I was not privy to. I had no idea. And what was so great about a lot of them is they are simple. Now, I'm not saying they're easy, but they're really, really simple to implement in your business and take action on. So thank you again. If you have not been to her website, guys, I'm going to share a link to the blog post that we talked about in the show notes, aka show notes, just the notes attached to the episode itself. But do yourself a favor, do yourself a real favor. Number one, just for inspiration on a beautiful website, beautiful interiors, just beauty. As designers, we can appreciate a good aesthetic and her freaking website. She, I'm pretty sure she recently updated it because it looked different the other day when I looked at it. And uh, it's amazing. It's incredibly beautiful. She, her own home is insanely beautiful. So there's nothing, she has really done something smart for herself as far as working with designers. Like just everything about what she's doing is so freaking genius. And I wish I could find myself a niche that could lend itself so well to um, targeting and, and really creating content that speaks to people. So guys, if you liked this episode, I haven't asked for a review in a long time. I'm going to try to do a better job because girl needs some reviews. Get yourself on iTunes and please leave me a review. Leave five stars for the love of Jesus. Um, and rate something, you know, whether it's maybe something you're hoping to see in the future or just like what you've been liking about it. And do me another favor and tell a friend. So I'm, get, I'm gearing up to try to work the nerve to talk to Studio McGee and see if she'll do my podcast. I hear she's very, very great with other designers. So we'll see. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you now. I'll talk to you later. Bye.